Welcome to episode 15 of the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. We're recording this on April 6, 2020, as we kick off a new series, Working From Home Responsibly. Welcome to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast, where we equip, empower, and encourage business leaders, CSR professionals, and everyday superheroes with uncomplicated tools to create more socially and environmentally responsible companies. Now, here are your hosts, Barbara Anderson and Janet Craig. Today, we are talking about remote work strategies with Tamar Moy, the Executive Managing Director, Northeast Region Lead, Workplace Strategy and Human Experience, which is the coolest job title I've ever heard of, with Newmark Knight Frank. Tamara has been a practicing strategist specializing in design and human experience for 23 years and has collaborated with companies of all sizes and industries to promote the power of place to influence people and enable business performance. At Newmark, Ms. Moy leads workplace strategy projects that enhance both the brokers and the clients understanding of future workplace needs, something that's very relative to what we're talking about today. This rich qualification of clients' vision helps to guide the market research, or the market search, excuse me, in dynamic and creative ways. Tamar is recent recipient of the Women of Influence Award, CRE, Advisor Consultant of the Year category, Globestreet.com, and Real Estate Forum 2019, and Top Women in Real Estate Award, New York Region, Connect Media 2018, What Don't You Do? Tamar holds a degree in design and environmental analysis with a major in human factors and ergonomics from Cornell University. And that's a lot, and we are so excited to talk to you today. As always on our website, Barbara and I always promise our listeners that we'll have a free resource for them, and today is no different. So if you go to destinationbetter.com slash 15, the number 1515, listeners can find the link to a really terrific resource that Newmark Knight Frank created called Remote Work Strategies, and it's got three sections with some really great information we're going to talk about today about staying productive, staying connected, and staying healthy. And I'm Barbara Anderson, the co-host of Creating Responsible Companies, and I am so thrilled to invite and welcome Tamar to our show. Welcome, Tamar. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, really great to be here um, talking with you and your audience. Yes, and we are all working from home because we are in quarantine, aren't we? And with your background and your responsibilities in the Department of Workplace Strategy and Human Human Experience with Mm -hmm. Newmark Knight Frank, we'd love to hear a little bit more about Newmark Knight Frank and about your role. Absolutely, sure. So Newmark Knight Frank is one of the world's leading commercial real estate advisory firms. So we are global. Our roots date back to 1929. We've got something like 18,000 professionals globally, 400 and oh, I don't know, 80 offices or something like that throughout the globe. And so certainly, you know, really focused on providing commercial brokerage services for both landlords as well as tenants and, and owners. 
and really concentrated these days on both promoting the industry with some really awesome technology tools. So we're trying to get more involved in how technology can help to support both occupants and owners of commercial real estate, and also really focusing on the people side of the transaction. And that's certainly where I come in in, in my role. And so while it is primarily a commercial real estate firm. I'm not a broker. I am a strategist on the consulting side of things. And, and so what I think is really interesting about this whole thing is that these conversations that I'm having with clients that really come before them going into the market to look for space is really helping to set the real estate strategy for the brokers at Newmark. And so, you know, a decade or so ago, if, a, if an organization was seeing that they were going to have a, their lease come up in the next year, year and a half or so, they would sort of, you know, get the commercial real estate facilities person, maybe the CFO together in a room and say, all right, so we have... 100,000 square feet now, I don't know, the next 10, 15 years will probably grow a little bit, maybe need, need like 150, let's go look. And they'd get their broker and they'd look at spaces and they'd make a decision about where to move, you know, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, potentially 30 oftentimes if they're a nonprofit on really that level of analysis. And they'd be looking primarily at, you know, cost, um, location of the property and um, potentially the, the quality of the building and the amenities that they serve. That's not the case anymore. Companies are much more mindful about where they're going and, and what is the quality of the space and how it could support the type of work that folks are doing and the culture that they're looking to promote and the behaviors that they're looking for their employees to have, the brand message that they're looking for their organization to put out into the world. And so this idea of workplace strategy has been around for quite some time. I've been doing it for almost 25 years, but the majority of my career has been at architecture and design firms. So in the model that I um, outlined around 10 years ago, they would sign the lease, then hire an architect, and then say, let's figure out what we want this place to be. Let's figure out our workplace strategy. And fingers crossed, it fits within what we just signed for the next 20 years. Now the conversations are happening um, sooner. And so I am now working at a brokerage firm. And even before they go to the market, we are meeting with the clients. We're figuring out through observation, through focus groups, through employee surveys, through interviews, uh, through vision sessions. Who are you as an organization today? Um, what are your aspirations for the future? And how can then space be designed to help promote what you're trying to do as a company. And so the conversations are much more holistic. We talk more about big picture cultural values and norms and then get to how the space can kind of have a role to support that. And so it's a, it's a much richer conversation and I think it's driving then where organizations end up so that the workplace strategy can be much more of a driving force as opposed to an afterthought. It sounds so brilliant, and it's, it sounds like it's all centered in large part around productivity, right, Tamar? Definitely, but I think that, you know, one of the reasons that workplace strategy is kind of having its moment over the past few years is not only about productivity. I think that, you know, 10 or so years ago, productivity and efficiency was definitely the key driver. How many folks can we get into an office? How do you get, you know, as many people in as possible to save money? And while that is still super important and a key driver, I think the past 10 years or so, eight or so years, there's been more of a concentration 
concentration, not only on productivity, but effectiveness. So what that means is it's a nice combination of, yes, the space needs to be efficient, but our people also need to be productive. And we shouldn't push them too hard to fit them into space so that we have efficiency, but not effectiveness. People can't do their work. We can't have the type of culture we're looking to have. So it's shifted a bit. It's gotten a little bit more about the people and recruitment and retention. I think because the job market has been so strong, companies were looking for other ways to distinguish themselves. And I think with the onset of newer generations in the workplace, this idea of experience became so much more interesting and important. So the team used to be workplace strategy. A year and a half or so ago, we, we changed the name to be workplace strategy and human experience because that has become so much more of a driver for organizations um, about supporting staff, giving them the tools that they need to be effective and productive and happy, well-being. All these things are becoming a little bit more human-centric. And so productivity, certainly, to your point, Barbara, super important, but I think you know, it's now about productivity and um, and wellness and the experience. And it'll be interesting to see what these events of the past month will do to this approach. I think that, you know, just because of recruitment and retention, perhaps now not being as key of a driver as it used to be, we'll have to see how it all plays out and companies needing to tighten the bottom line, I think, across the board. It'll be interesting to see how all the different factors play, because I don't think that densification from 10, 15 years ago is going to be the answer in this era of social and physical distancing, you know, jamming people together in five foot desks is not going to be the answer. So we're going to have to be very mindful about, you know, how do we look to kind of reimagine workplace strategy in this post COVID world? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And in the piece that Janet referenced earlier called the remote work strategies that Newmark produced. And as she said, we've got a link to it on our website. Yeah. What's interesting is one of the quotes in there is work is what you do, not where you go. And so for right. a company like Newmark, who is such a global expert in properties, what mm -hmm. do you think that means? And, and what tips would you have in terms of like people who are working from home now and the, this whole shift? How do you make this happen when you were used to going into your space at the office, whether it was a cube or had a door on it or whether it was a place that you just plugged in somewhere? What right. do you expect will happen now? It's so interesting. I think that we don't know. I mean, we're, we're making trends and we're building scenarios and we're developing new workshops and ways to kind of work with our clients to figure it out. I don't think anyone really has the answer yet. I don't think it's going to be like a one size fits all solution for, for what this means for firms going forward. I think some organizations are going to be like, wow, you know, that remote thing, it was tough, you know, for the first week or two, but we worked out the kinks and I'm actually really surprised um, at how effective we were able to be and people really like working from home and not having to commute and all that and it's going to be hard to take it back from them and I could very well see a reduction in, in the amount of space that folks need after this because they are going to empower their staff you know to work remotely and, and there will be lots of things that will need to get done processes and guidelines that will need to be put in place to help sort of with the governance of what a more remote workforce looks like training and 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 things of that nature and then there'll going to be other organizations where they were like that was a disaster I never wanted to go on another you know video conference in my life like 
everybody needs to come in and, and, and be here and, and we can't have everyone just in workstations now. We need to sort of, you know, increase the amount of space between folks and rework the fabric of the of the workplace and now this giant central pantry where we wanted everyone to come together and eat. Maybe we'll break them up and have different ones on different floors and, and compartmentalize people more. Maybe people need, you know, walls around them or higher workstation partitions. I mean, there's going to be, I think, responses all the way across the board um, with regards to what it means when folks go back to normal and I think a lot of it will have to do with their experience here and how successful that's been, but also what are people trying to do in your organization? There are some job roles where remote working is great and it works very well for what folks are trying to do, heads down, focus work, research, writing, things of that nature, taking a deliverable through a certain point on your own before having to collaborate. And then there are other jobs where it's really about brainstorming and ideation. And you know, while there are certainly tools to do that remotely, it's not been found to be as successful on a long-term basis if, if you're constantly in these sort of creative roles. So I think there will be, you know, certain groups within certain organizations where it might work better for and certain organizations that are a little bit more nimble and have a strong culture and, and um, management style that allows for that sort of um, empowerment of staff that'll be able to embrace it more than others. Very good. So as we created this series, Janet and I typically focus on companies' responsibility, right? their um, environmental and social responsibility, and you right. reference governance. And as part of the company's responsibility to provide a safe workplace, a safe environment, what, what would you suggest for maybe company leaders and then also individuals who are trying to adjust to this new work from home space? Yeah. So I think it's it's funny as people kind of look to working from home. It's, it's not your normal working from home, obviously, of years past. Right. This is like a hypercritical working from home environment where oftentimes you've got other spouses and family members kind of running through and, and children you need to be mindful of. And my husband just decided to vacuum in the middle of an important call. Like, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of world with different kinds of stressors than what we were sort of promoting as work from home. So I think organizations need to especially now, give everyone a little bit of slack, right? Everyone's kind of trying to figure it out. And I think that most companies have been really mindful of their response. It's, it's not been, um, you need to, you know, get online now and, and start business as usual, right? They, they've been helpful um, in, in helping people order what they need. Um, you know, we, we have been giving guidance to our company on proper ways to set up your home office. And I think it's hard because if you're in a city and you're in like a one bedroom apartment with six people, you're not going to have the same ability to set up a productive, um, efficient home office than if you are in a home and, and you have an extra room to do that. But I think giving um, your folks some guidelines as to how to try to set up the best work from home condition as possible is really important. And people will have to get creative and adjust based on their own individual circumstances. But I think, you know, ideally, you have a place that is a little bit separate from, you know, the, the hub of, of your home. You know, you're not like in your kitchen, right? You're in a home office or you're in a separate room where you can close a door. And it's really about, from the physical side of things, giving people guidance on, on how do you set it up. I think the irony of it is when people are working from home, they are more apt to sit still at their desk and stare at the screen, you know, for the whole day. 
that's not good for you from any aspect of things, um, physical, emotional, any of these things. When you're in the office, you're getting up, you're going to the pantry, you're going over to someone else's office, you're meeting with someone, you're going out for a meeting, for a tour, you're moving around, you have changes in posture. Um, we don't typically have that here if we're just sitting at our desk. And so I think we need to be very mindful about kind of setting our own rules for ourselves. And so, you know, every hour or so, like look away from your screen across the room, across the house. You need to kind of give your eye some breaks or you're going to have eye strain. You know, stand up during the course of the day. I, I've sort of challenged myself to um, when I'm having just a phone call, not a video conference, but a phone call, do it while I'm standing, do it while I'm walking around the room. Um, you know, I don't have an adjustable height desk, not many, you know, many folks perhaps do not. So if you want to stand during the course of the day to do some typing, load up some sturdy books or boxes and, and make your um, workstation standing height, right? It's all about kind of setting up your workstation to be ergonomically correct so you're not getting the back pains. And, you know, I'm hearing about some clients who are dragging old dining room chairs down to their basement to try to like get away from their family and sitting like in the dark. And I, that's just, it's, it's so bad. <laughs> Try to be by natural light. Try to have a window you can open if the if the weather allows. Um, and it's really about schedule. Give yourself breaks to get up and, and walk around the house and check in with folks. Don't be glued to your screen for you know six plus hours. I think you'll be emotionally drained as as well as physically. I think that's one of the things I see when, especially when I work on really big data projects for clients. And Barbara and I have very, very, very different work <laughs> strategies where Barbara will say, you know what, I'm going to leave the office. I'm going to go work at a coffee shop today. Of course, we can't do that now, but Barbara can work with chaos around her. I can't. I need like right. super quiet. I want to be able to look outside. But I know after I've been heads down on my computer for six or seven or eight hours at a time, when I step away from it. I swear, I feel like a different person. Like I have to right. figure out how to get like either like reconnected with human beings, right? And get that experience going again. So how can people do that? How can they, you know, when they, yes, we're, we're to encourage them to take short breaks because it really yes. does help your brain. But it's like, how do you stop working when you're working at home and get reconnected with those people that are around you? Absolutely. So I think, you know, the, the connection part is so critical and just kind of taking a, a high level view for a moment, what we've been finding at, at Newmark and our team from talking through, you know, the past month or so with our clients, um, you know, the first week was a bit about like shock and chaos and like, I can't believe this is our new normal and oh my goodness. And then the second week was like, figuring out kind of what you're supposed to do, but working through the kinks and the technology issues and, and, you know, how do I set up my office? Where am I going to be working from? The third week, which was basically last week, mostly, was okay. I got a new rhythm. I figured out my new sort of schedule. We're kind of getting in the groove. We feel like this fourth week here is going to be um, when a bit of that isolation kicks in and folks are starting to feel a little bit more disconnected. And so I think it, you bring up an, a really great point. It, this is the time to make sure that you schedule in some touch points, both with folks from work as well as um, other, you know, 
friends and family members. Um, because now that we're kind of in the routine, this is when you, the disconnection could start to really become a little bit dangerous. And so I think that, you know, as a manager, as an organization, setting up week, weekly video conferencing at a minimum is really important from like leadership level and video conference is preferable to phone calls just because that that connection of seeing smiling faces on the other end kind of reminds people and kind of shoots those positive energy vibes and neurons and, and you know we're social beings as humans and I think we have an innate kind of need to see folks and, and communicate with them so the video helps with that it also makes people like get out of their pajamas <laughs> Take a shower, also really important things to remember. <laughs> so, so that's important. And I think, you know, having the, the, uh, the leadership, at least on a, on a weekly basis, connecting is crucial, but then also supplemental meetings with managers and smaller teams and, and really just, I know it's easier to just get on a phone call, but doing it with video, if you can, I think is super helpful. Um, and it shouldn't decrease over time. These things need to increase over time. So I know that we have, you know, our, t our teams going and we're sort of, we're emailing, we're texting, we've got teams, we've got conference calls, we've got video calls, all these different layers are happening. And, and I think it's important um, to stay connected. As far as outside of work, um, you know, scheduling breaks. If you're at home with a family, um, you know, try to have a lunch together or a snack together or a walk outside together, you know, try to have a dinner together. It's easy for people if you're in a home and you have, you know, the luxury of space to kind of compartmentalize. And while that's important for when you need to get your work done, I think you also need to balance it with, with the walking outside and the, and the speaking with your family too, um, just to try to keep some semblance of balance if you can. Yeah, it's interesting to have a, a new schedule where I was used to getting up at 4.30 in the morning and was at an exercise class at five, which of course has been canceled. And so now what I'm doing is either walking or riding my bike. And like Saturday, I went out and of course, everybody's, you know, so nervous to get near anybody. And I was in the street and the lady was working in her yard and she lifted her head up when she saw me and I live alone. And she goes, hi like a long lost friend you know and I'm like hello fellow human yes <laughs> <laughs> on my bike from the street being very right. safe but right. we are especially you know and there's that whole conversation about the introverts are loving this and then the yeah like clawing at the windows you know to have right. any say hi to them so, yes. so that's really helpful so it's yes. interesting too Janet I know you've done some studying about company culture and the value of a company and Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, there was this great EY report that came out, and I think I've talked about it on <laughs> lots of our episodes, but it's so great. It was because Barbara and I work a lot in this invisible space of, you know, corporate citizenship and corporate responsibility and social things that happen to companies and environmental things that, that sometimes they don't show up like on those financial statements until it's actually had an impact on the company. So it's not a clear thing like revenues, you know, we had an increase in revenue or a decrease in revenue. We could see that almost on a daily basis, but we can't see the effects of a really good culture or a culture that's being chipped away because those are like these chronic, slow, progressive, dripping water faucet leak things, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So for, so EY did this report and they found that about 52% of a company's value 
is, and those are those intangible assets that we talk about, is actually in its culture. And so mm -hmm. we work so hard to get culture and people together and how we meet outside the office and inside the office and how we conduct ourselves and what our, you know, code of conduct and our ethics and just generally how we treat each other in the workplace. Yeah. And that's out the window. So how do we <laughs> retain that kind of sense of culture and I, it, it, during this time of no one working face-to-face -face anymore. Yeah, it's a challenge for sure. Because as you say, so much of that culture, the sense of connection and the buzz and the energy of what you feel when you're all in the space together, right? So that's the thing that, I mean, it's, it's critical. And so I think a lot of it is, is about personality and it's got to come from leadership and, and team-based cultures. I've seen some really successful happy hours where teams are meeting together and they're, and they're coming, you know, with a drink, it doesn't have to be alcoholic, but the idea is that it's social conversation and, and, you know, it's an, it's an around coffee or, or happy hour. And, and you're having just conversations that you might have, you know, by the water cooler, but virtually as well. And, and so I think it's important for those cultural things to have these connections that are not about um, work and, and town halls, but just have them be social. One amazing architect friend of mine, designer friend of mine, he leads a studio and design firm they were having a costume happy hour where everyone was coming like dressed up you know anything because they're, they're a fun sort of culture in the in the office that it, and they wanted to try to just keep that going so you know there's lots of creative things that that you can do like that if it's within the norm of your culture I wouldn't suggest having costume happy hours if that isn't in line with you know the culture of your firm but I think as much as you can keep going you know my group workplace strategy team sends around every day a check-in email with like a, a joke or a, or a cute cartoon that someone else has provided from the team. You know, and we'll say like courtesy of tomorrow and it'll have like the little JPEG that I wanted to share with the team that day. So there's opportunities like that, I think, to um, think of things that aren't work-related that are more about, you know, how do you preserve that connection and, and that sense of, you know, team camaraderie when you're not there. It's got to be virtual at this point. It, that's just the way it is. And so, you know, you need to make an effort. And I think that managers of, of distributed and remote teams, it's a totally different skill than managing a team that's in-house. And so we're going to, there's going to have to be a lot of relearning management, uh, managing skills in this new sort of virtual environment. And there's training programs and, and things that you can do, but you can't just assume that your managers are going to be able to pivot. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the introvert, extrovert personalities, and you need to provide the tools and the training so people know how to be effective leaders in times like this. It's not, you can't just assume it's going to come naturally. Some folks are inherently going to be more successful at it than others. Okay. So any other points that you'd like to make? We're going to have some coming episodes as part of this work from home responsibly series talking about like etiquette on zoom and petiquette yes. for people who have pets. Like how do you do that while you're now at home and nutrition right. and wellness and um, kind of emotional wellness and how do you do self care and, so we're excited uh, about that. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you think might be helpful for the listeners, especially as they themselves are trying to kind of adjust to this new environment? Absolutely. I mean, I think just from, so, so much of the saying, staying healthy and connected piece that is in the document that we'll be sharing is about 
or will be covered, I think, by your experts. So this idea of like staying away from the fridge and staying away from the couch and don't put on the COVID-15 or whatever it is, is really critical and important. And I think your folks who are coming in from the nutrition angle will be able to, to share that. I think, you know, the ergonomics piece is going to be pretty huge. And, and I think people, you know, you can go onto OSHA websites or just Google any sort of like ergonomic workplace standards, and you'll be able to see some diagrams of how you should be setting up your workstation. You really want to maintain your physical health here. And so I think, you know, having natural lighting as well as task lighting, as well as ambient lighting, different levels, mixing that up throughout the course of the day, going online to see, you know, what angles your shoulder should be at and the top of your monitor should be at the top of your, you know, head in alignment, all that, I think there's resources out there where you can go through that and figure it out. And, you know, there might be a need to have a foot rest, right? So you can kind of follow the standards and guidelines and, and see how to adjust that going forward. I think, you know, critical will be, again, the breaks, the changing of postures. I think that's really critical and helpful and you need it for eye strain as well as your physical body, as well as your mental break. So I think all that is super critical. I think as managers and leaders of organizations go, I think that, you know, the empathy is going to be really important. I think you can't expect everybody to be like 100% billable at all times during like the first couple of weeks of this thing. I mean, there's obviously going to be an adjustment period as people kind of figure this all out. And so just really being kind of empathetic and, and you know, supportive when you can and, and helping folks kind of figure out the technology and the working from home situation is just going to be really critical. I think now as we're kind of maybe potentially over that hump of figuring it out and getting back to more business as usual, as I mentioned before, I think the connections are going to be really critical. So even if you don't have new projects coming in at the level that you had it before, still maintaining those touch points, even if they're just like five, 10 minutes, um, you know, to make people feel connected and not get disengaged is going to be really important to keeping up that culture that you've been striving so hard all this time to develop. Well, that's very helpful. And we've always had such high regard for the team at Newmark for what you do around the world. And your area of expertise, I'm sure, is going to be a, a spotlight in the company now for quite some time. So how can our listeners find you, Tamar? I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me there for sure. Also, the Spark that we'll be sharing, you know, has our contact information at the end of it. So there's a link there that you could reach out to the team. That doesn't go directly to me. It goes to the Workplace Strategy team. Uh, you could also find me via email. Will you be sharing that information on your... Yeah, we're happy to. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's great. You could email is probably the, the best way to do that as well, or the LinkedIn or via the Spark. I think those three ways would be best. All right. And that's and, the article. Jamie, we'll also, yeah, we'll also put those um, links to some of the OSHA sites because I know it helped me. I started uh, stand-up working, gosh, in 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. And so for me even, and Barbara and I have stand, have adjustable desks in our office, which we are not in anymore. And so it's been an adjustment for us. And so we'll definitely put those links to maybe we can find some of the illustrations that they have that show the number of degrees for your elbows to your fingers, to your keys yes. and all that stuff. And we'll put all that stuff on our website. And I just love all the points that you made, especially the ones where we are talking about employees making a transition to work at home, but we have completely not even had a conversation until today about how management styles are going to have to change along with it and who's prepared and not prepared. So I think that's going to be something that's really interesting in the future. And I just love everything you do and even just 
human experience and the way that your industry has changed to put humans first in our yes. first and in the workplace is so incredible and so needed. And so we super appreciate everything that you do there. Absolutely. Thanks so much. It's really been a pleasure. Yes, thanks for joining us, Tamar. And the download, as we said, will be available on destinationbetter.com slash 15 for episode 15. And uh, feel free to contact Tamar or reach out to us. We can connect you with her, either one. And thanks for joining us. And we hope you can join us for the rest of the episodes on working from home responsibly. So thanks, Tamar. We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Stay well. Thank you for listening to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. Find tools and additional episodes on our website, destinationbetter.com. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a voice message on our contact page. Don't worry, Barbara and Janet aren't millennials. They actually listen to voicemails. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. 